Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. We're very excited about this show today. You may remember the family that had 13 children. They have adopted from... Uh, four from Ethiopia and five from the DRC, and they have four biological children. And today we're very honored to have their oldest son adopted from Ethiopia on the show. Silas, thank you for being here. Thank you. So Silas, at what age were you adopted? I was adopted when I was 14, but right when I came to United States after like one month and a half, I turned 15. Okay, so tell us your story in Ethiopia. Life is in Ethiopia. It was complicated, but I mean, it's long and short. But I don't know what part you want me to share about. How long were you in the orphanage? I was in the orphanage for six years because I was on some other orphanage before I entered CWA for two years, and I was on CWA. My family adopted me, and I was in there for four years. Do you remember that time? Yeah, I remember everything. And what was it like on a day-to-day basis? What was it like in the orphanage? Did you have a lot of friends there? Did they treat you well? Yeah, when I was in the orphanage, I was pretty much the oldest, because all my friends, like my age, they come in, they live. Because they get adopted, new family adopted them, and I was actually the longest one in the orphanage. I, I thought I was not going to get adopted, so like, I make friends, they go, and then new kids come in, and I make friends again, and they leave. And it was kind of sucks, but like, we can't really do much. Uh, we, we're like kids, so we stay in the orphanage. We don't go outside that much, and then I feel like it's jail to me. That we don't even go to school because they don't let us go outside. But it was it's good it's for good they do that because they don't want us to learn the culture out there like from other kids because they want us to be good for our family when we come here. So they just trapped us in the orphan. So there's big tents and we can't go outside. We have to go with we have to ask permission to go outside like to. If it plays soccer, we have, like, I don't know, it was hard. What part of Ethiopia were you in? I was in Awasa um, for, like, for a while, for a long time. But when I, when I find family and when I'm about to go to my family, so they take us for a year to Addis, the capital city, that, like, when we go Addis to just do some, Small paperwork and like test and uh, kind of background and stuff. But I was in Awasa and then after I would come to Addis, and a year later my family came out, come get us from Addis. Did they teach you English? Uh, they try, but it's not the English we need. We need it here, so it's just like I don't. It's uh, not really. Do you, we we well, learn when we came here. Pretty, you speak pretty darn good English, Cyrus, from going from 
uh, a week after you guys landed in the United States of America, we thought, okay, we'll take, you know, we'll take some weeks and then we'll eventually get them in school. Uh, and, and within a week of being home, they're all three standing in front of us and, and through very broken English figured out how to say, we want to go to school now. And, and we're like, Oh really? You've been here for like seven days. You're ready to go. And, and so it was in the second week that they were here that they're sitting in mainstream classrooms, uh, like the deep end of the pool, uh, just going for it. It was really quite astounding. So that voice you hear is Brian, and Brian is Silas's father. Um, your story is just so amazing because here is this 14-year-old boy with his friends in the orphanage, and you say, these are my three children, and you bring Absolutely. three of them over. I mean, we heard last week about you know that whole process for you, but what about these three made you say yes? So uh, I, I'm on a trip uh, with some leaders from our church to figure out what our church is going to do to help alleviate suffering in Africa. You know, just like, what, what can we do? We got to do something. And so I'm there. I'm hosted by uh, an American adoption agency. And they said, let us just show you some of our work, what we're doing. And maybe you guys want to be a part of that. That leads me to this orphanage where we spend an evening with some of the orphanage staff and leaders across the courtyard of the orphanage. So we're sitting with all the grown-ups, you know, having an Ethiopian coffee ceremony. And I look across and I, I catch the eye of these two uh, young men and they beckon me over to them. And I spent a couple of hours talking to them through their uh, the window of their room in that orphanage. They're showing me their drawings and they don't speak a lick of English. I don't speak a lick of Amharic. And it's just this, this moment. I, I meet Joshua's uh, sister in the course of that gathering. And I walk out the gates of the orphanage going, that was a profound experience I just had there. And I don't know everything that it means. And I sit down in the backseat of this car that's going to take us back to our hotel. And the unmistakable, wasn't audible, but it was the unmistakable whisper of God into my soul. Hey, those three kids, those are your kids, Brian. Those are your kids. And I said, Whoa, what, what in the world? I actually called Dana that evening. I got back to the hotel and I, I call her and I said, honey, crazy thing happened. I meet these three kids and I sort of explain their ages and such. And I think we're supposed to adopt them. And the longest pause you've ever heard, I thought our, phones have been disconnected. You know, you're talking from Africa and you're like, oh, I guess she's off the phone. But it was just a long, long, long pause. And I said, honey, are, are you there? She said, oh, I, I'm here, but we should probably talk about that when you <laughs> get home. You know, like, we'll talk about that when you get, we got these four little kids and then these teenage boys and uh, Malia, who was eight at the time. And like, like, we'll talk about that more. I said, okay, we'll, we'll talk about that more. Yeah. It, it was quite a profound uh, one of the most profound experiences I've ever had with the Lord, where he just spoke right directly to my soul. I was like, okay, this is the way this is supposed to go. So if you have not heard Brian and Dana's story, it is available on podcast. So you can go ahead and look in that on iTunes to get kind of the full story and the process that they went through. They did have four biological children at home. They were little and they had twins. 
twin boys that were four years old. And so when he calls his wife and says, hey, we're going to adopt some teenagers. I mean, all of us moms are like, what? She was probably drowning with four little ones already. And just thinking, how are we going to do this? And what is that going to look like? And, uh, you know, she said that she wasn't, you know, gung-ho adoption. But you were. You have it in your history. Let's talk a little bit about that. Your sister was adopted? Yes, absolutely. Uh, When I was in eighth grade, my parents, uh, uh, our family was just my brother, who's five years younger than me, and me. And my parents adopted my sister from uh, South Korea. And when I was in eighth grade, we went to uh, Seattle to pick my sister up uh, from, you know, straight from the airplane, you know, like we all do. Uh, and I stood at the glass looking at the escalator that was bringing her down from where she had just uh, gotten off the airplane in the arms of a traveler's aid worker who got her off the airplane. And I'm, I'm an eighth grade, 13 year old boy. And I'm, I've got tears streaming down my face which is a rarity for an eighth grade boy. You know, we don't show emotion that, that much. And, and there was another this sort of whisper into my soul where, Brian, this is part of your journey. This is going to be part of your journey. And I, I just knew uh, that someday, uh, whoever my wife would be, uh, we would adopt. We would adopt. And, and it, it was like imprinted on my soul. So you know from the very beginning, and so here's these three children that are your first jump into adoption. Silas, do you know, and I'm going to ask you a personal question, you don't have to answer it if you don't know, but did you know anything about your birth parents? Uh, actually, I guess when my, my senior year, end of my senior year, looking for my mom, because I knew my mom was alive, but I couldn't find her, but I... Did a bunch of researching with a lot of people for a bunch of people helped me back in Ethiopia. And then I ended up finding the village. And then I ended up finding my, that I ended up having three younger sisters and one brother. And then by the time I looking for my mom, this, my mom was not there. She was passed away by giving birth for my younger sister. And then I, End up finding my dad, but I never knew I had a dad. I know that I am mom. So that's that's what part of my family story. That is very brave of you to go searching for birth parents. How old are you now? I'm 21, almost 22. That's an amazing story. So Silas... You're looking for your birth parents. The other two that were adopted with you that were in the orphanage that were like family, Joshua and Malia, they are actually bio-siblings, correct? Yeah. And they know their birth parents. Yeah. We, when we, we go there almost every year, we've been a few times back, and we go see their mom. And, yeah, a good friend with his mom is pretty much like my mom, too, we all go there and visit and stay with them, spend time. Brian, what is so amazing about your story? And I I keep using the word amazing. I need to think of something else. Um, But people are going to listen to this and and they're going to say, wow, this family is really committed to their child. They, they, They don't bring children over and they don't adopt to make it look like the way they want it to look. They release their hands and say, 
God, what do you want? Because I don't know very many people who would adopt children and then say, hey, let's go back. Let's go back and find your your birth parent, you know, family. Let's go do some yeah. research. Let's go visit the country that you came from. Let's keep this a part of your life. And if you're open to it and, and if this is what you want, we're going to find the resources to be able to do that. I mean, how humbling and selfless. Is that really difficult to take them back over? Well, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, very difficult uh, because our because our kids um, they, our kids wanted it you know and and for us it, it was this sense of uh, we could we could try to squash this because it would be way more easy and comfortable uh, for us if we we didn't wade into all that but but we actually think that this is this is going to be really good for our for our kids. Uh, for example, when we uh, when we adopted Kinsey, when we went to pick her up, we actually took uh, Josh and Silas and Maria with us so that they could be a part of that with us, but as well so they could connect with... Uh, Silas didn't even know he had family on that uh, trip. He didn't know where they were or who they were, but Josh and Maria did, so we spent time with uh, their biological mom and their their stepdad there, and the the beautiful stuff that comes out of that uh, it, I just wouldn't, I would not trade it for the world. And, and here's the way Dan and I say it. We say, look, uh, we adopted these kids and they're our children. They'll always be our children. And when we did that, we actually more or less adopted their families as well. Like they're part of us too. And we love them. We hold them in the very highest regard. Imagine them, uh, the difficulty of them making the choices that they had to make that led to uh, children who they love and gave birth to becoming our kids. That I, I, that's unfathomable to me. And we hold them in the very, very highest. But, but I mean, our kids call all the time. They communicate on Facebook uh, all the time with their families and such. Uh, and it's just an open, it's an open door uh, relationship. It's just an, an open door relationship, and I wish I could take them there all the time and more and uh, all of that. And uh, maybe someday we'll be able to do more of that. The the thing uh, that we're working on now, April, if, if I could, is that Silas goes his senior year. He says he's going to go. He uh, earned had earned a bunch of money the summer before, so. He had money. He, I'm going to pay for this trip, Dad. I'm going to go. I'm going to find my family. I said, I wish I could go. And he wanted to go at Easter time. And just in case you're wondering, that's not a great time for pastors to be away. Is it Easter? So right. I said, okay, but you got to go. I can't go on this trip. I'm so sorry. But he said, it's okay. And he went for a couple of weeks. And and he, he finds his, his family. He finds the village. Imagine that in a country of 90 million people, the talk about finding a needle in a haystack. He finds his village. He finds his dad, learns the uh, really tragic news that his mom uh, was deceased. He discovers that he's got a brother who's just a couple years younger. He discovers he's got these four little sisters. I mean, he's got these four little full-blood biological sisters who are in a, in a horrific uh, set of circumstances uh, in that village. Uh, and, and, I mean, being... I mean, just abused and mistreated and neglected and starving. And I mean, the whole, the whole thing was just, 
utterly devastating. And then he comes back uh, bearing this weight of like, oh my gosh, his whole world just changed. He found out that his dad is living, his biological father. He finds out he's got these little sisters, and we, we, we've got to we've got to help him. And so that began a, a quite a process of navigating, uh, helping move his four little sisters out of the village, uh, in with a family who we know and love dearly, an Ethiopian family who was actually a part of Josh and Silas and Leah's life for a long time. Uh, moving those four little girls into that living scenario so that they could have medical care, so that they could have regular uh, food, so they could go to school, so that they could be loved and cared for instead of uh, just uh, really treated as slaves is the way you say it. So uh, that, that's that been all pretty new to us. And now there's a, even currently there's a new set of circumstances that's, uh, quite challenging that we're trying to, okay, now what are we going to do about Silas's four little sisters? And uh, what does that mean for us as a family, uh, that, that they're part of our family and it's not going well for them. And we're thick in the throes of trying to sort all that out. April. You and Dana are raising world changers and you get the honor of just being a part of something that's so much bigger than yourselves and you, your family really encompasses the things that we're trying to do with adoption now is let me just uh, blow your mind with what really adoption is. It's not just about, oh, I want to, you know, expand my family. It's so much bigger than that. And it's it's fighting for life and. Um, saying, hey, the course of your life might go this way, but we are going to stand and fight for it to go the way that God wants it to go. And that is a huge challenge in itself. I always say when, when people say we're about to adopt, I say, okay, well, you're fighting for life. You're, you're, you're fighting to save the direction of a life. And it takes a lot. You have to be in it to win it. And you guys are, yeah. I mean, you ha- I really encourage our listeners to listen to their podcasts. This uh, show will make a lot more sense when you listen to the other podcasts of the whole complete story because you have 13 children you have adopted so many different times and Silas is your first born right he's the oldest in the whole family that's exactly right he's the oldest in the whole family that's exactly right and he is making really mature choices to go over and to really investigate where he came from. So many times we just want to forget the past and say, you know, it's too painful. I've talked to and had interviews with adult children who say, yeah, I think about going back there, but I don't know. It's really scary. It's, I don't know what I'm going to find out. And Silas, you are so brave. That's why I said that earlier for going over there, because what you might not understand is that that's a big deal. You, you were fearless, and you went and you found out something that now has changed all your lives. Yeah, I was, I was just too worried every day. I'm not, I was not focusing, like, as I always, I'm always thinking that there's someone actually bled related to me. I want to know when I go back, I can say, oh, hey, I can stop by. Like, I can go with my friends and stay, have fun, but, like, I always... I feel a little bit down when I see all my friends going to their family and then even we're going for a vacation. It's just, 
I want to say I want to see something where I stop. So that's why it bothers me and try whatever I can to go look for them. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, um, we're going to talk more to both of you. Silas is adopted from Ethiopia. Brian is his father that brought uh, so many children over from overseas to raise them here, and it's just a completely amazing story. So stay tuned. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm April Fallon. Nebraska is listening to the mighty 670 KLT Denver. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. Do you have an adoption story you'd like to tell? We'd love to hear it. You can help so many people on the same adoption journey. Radio may seem scary, but the best part about sharing your story is sharing your heart about children. Visit our website at adoption-now.com to submit your story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. I'm so glad that you tuned in today because this is such an amazing story, a really strong family that has gone through a lot to understand what adoption really means and how you raise children so individually, even though they might be from the same country, even though they might have similar backgrounds, every child is different. And so how can we as parents adjust to that? We get the great honor of interviewing Silas, who is adopted from Ethiopia. He is now an adult and he can tell his story from an adult perspective, even though he was brought over at 14 and adopted at 14. And we're talking to the family that also adopted him. The Brian is the father and we now have Dana on the phone. Um, and she is just going to tell us a little bit about just her experience and how she changed as a mother and how she took her children back over to Ethiopia after she had adopted them. Thank you for coming on this part of the, the show, Dana. Thank you so much, April. Tell us a little um, bit about that experience. So our uh, we brought home the the boys and Malia, um, and so 14, 13, and she was ten. And I I hadn't parented older children, and so I had really no idea how to do that. Um, a lot of what I was feeling at first. Um, I was just really, really overwhelmed. I was in my 20s, uh, late 20s, but still, I, I just didn't honestly know what I was doing. I didn't know what to expect. Totally unrealistic expectations. One of the things that I found is I was mad at, I was mad at Brian because he was actually really, really connecting with them in ways that I was struggling to. Um, and so, I mean, my anger was all kind of all over the place. And Malia and I, I kind of hoped that her and I would be the one that would really connect. And actually, um, we had a really hard time. She was the, um, so she has her biological mom is living. And though you can fully understand why she wouldn't want another mother, it doesn't change the way it feels um, when she's like overtly, um, affectionate to all of your female friends and your husband. And then, you know, you go upstairs to give her a kiss at night and she's pulling the covers over her head. 
Um, do I pull the covers back and kiss her? Do I, you know, like all of the things that you begin like judging yourself for, accusing yourself for, telling yourself you're the problem, all that sort of thing. Well, fast forward, they had been home for three years. Things were not rough, but they weren't what I wanted in a relationship with her. And we went to Ethiopia and um, we spent time with Josh and Melina's biological mom. And I sat, um, we went to dinner with them and I sat across from Malia and her biological mom. And lots of things that I expected, I didn't see what I felt. Um, I literally was fighting back tears as I watched her lay her head on her mom and her mom stroke her face. It was a very real realization that I could not be her biological mom. And I don't even know that I had like wanted to be her biological mom. It's just that I wanted a relationship and a connection with her that I knew that I didn't have. And, and so I, we got in the van to leave. It was dark. I just started sobbing and she realized that I was crying and she's like, mom, mom, what's wrong? What's wrong? So we get back to our hotel and, um, Brian is like, just go to bed, just go to sleep. You can talk to mom in the morning. So the first thing I woke up the next morning, I sit up and she's like right there on my bed. And she's like, mom, did I do something wrong? Or did I hurt your feelings? Did I do something? And I just looked at her and I began to cry. She's 13 years old. And I said, Malia, you did not do anything wrong. I said, I love you so much that I want you to be with your mom. I can see how much she loves you. And I know how much you love her too. And as as your mom now, I want that for you. And she said, mom, and her 13 year old was, and she said, mom, I don't want to live here. Yeah. It would be great if I could grow up with my mom, but I know the situation is that my mom couldn't take care of us the way she needs to. And she couldn't take care of herself the way she needs to. So, I know that God gave me to you and you to me because, look, you have brought me back to my mom. You're not trying to keep me from her. Um, we together can move forward, and in, um, in this is what I believe to my core. This world is broken. There is brokenness everywhere. But if we ask Jesus, he's constantly inviting us to be part of his redemption it's not his plan A, but that's what this world is, is full of brokenness, and he wants to redeem it. And so that moment transformed our relationship. It connected us in a way that we had not been connected and um, healed us, honestly, both of us. That is so amazing. The story is so, it's just so deep because that is a adoptive parent's fear is I, I'm not going to be enough or the child is going to want to go back to their uh, birth parent or they're going to try to find their birth parent, you know, and I want to be that place. And instead you guys say, yeah, it is scary and it is painful, but we're not going to stop them. We are going to let them be who they are. We're going to let them process what they need to process. And it's not pretty all the time and it's not easy. And I'm sure it's not easy on your hearts. And yet you still give them the freedom to do that. And even allowing Silas to go and and do uh, an investigation to find his family and go back to his country as an adult, 
what a brave thing for you guys to do as well to say, hey, we support you and we're here for you. And then when he finds out something, you don't think about yourself. You think about how can we help his siblings? How can we help? You know, how how is this greater and beyond what we thought it was going to be? Silas, how do you feel now that you've been adopted as an adult and looking back? Are you are you surprised? Are you thankful? What are the feelings that you have towards your towards your parents? I don't know how to explain, but it's just not surprising. It's just like, I think it's just God's work. Cause the reason I'm here is because God wanted me to, wanted to. And then that's why I'm here and then belong to this family so I can help others. Just like how we're, I'm, I feel sometimes I'm bringing more problem whenever I find more things to do for my family. So, I, but. I feel it's just a special thing. Are you close to your parents? Yeah, I'm very close to my family. When you go different places with your whole family, how do people look at you guys? I don't know. People think we're like orphan, orphan or something because we're like so diverse, so many ratios. And my mom's cold, so we just all follow her. Like she's like. The duck, and then we all the live duck here. <laughs> Your little ducklings. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's cool. People look at us, and then like my mom looks very young. And they don't think she will have all this money kid too. And do and people it looks cool? People. Do people stop and yeah, ask one you? Day, yeah, uh, actually, one day we were like the first time we moved, come up here to Sacramento for for my great grandpa's funeral and then this guy just see our family and he liked and then I think he give some kind of gift card for ice cream place to my dad. It was kinda of cool. Like people like I don't know, people just like wanna know about us where we are, like they they just they just I guess just looks cool. How did you feel the when your we... parents brought home the four from the DRC? Uh, it was kind of painful the way we they worked to bring them because it was not easy. But we were all excited and you know, like always waiting for them to come home. But we were like very happy to accept them. And we, I don't know, it just feel like we got something just kind of how when little kids get new gift that's how we all excited we went down to dc to accept them and then we just like everybody was very happy i was all like goosebumps when i see them but i don't know how everybody feel the way i see them they're all excited you are the leader of the family no my dad is oh, oh yes 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 the leader of the kids <laughs> you're the leader of the kids and you um you seem to be doing a great job at just being open and loving and fearless and accepting and realize that God has a call in your life to take care of others. And do you think that you will go back and live in Ethiopia? Will you stay here? I mean, I always want to go back there just not to live there, but to do something good for others where others because like, I know how everybody's feel because I lived almost 
all kind of life there, and then I want to do something better and change the thing I know. But it's, it's hard. I can just from saying it's easy, but like, because I've been through it, so it's so hard. So I want to do, I want to go there, and I want to live here with my family also. I want to go there, like, change things, like, do something take those kids out on the street, like do something. It doesn't have to be just Ethiopia. I, I want to do something like what my family did for me because I, I don't know. It doesn't have to be Ethiopia, but right now I want to go to Ethiopia because my sibling, but yeah. Will you go to college? I was actually going to college uh, just because my family moved here, so I moved here and I'm still looking where I'm going to go, but yeah, I was went two years and then I have hopefully two more years if you all my career transfer. What do you want to study? I started business because with my language it would be easy because I was okay with math and then now I was changing my major to sociology. I'm halfway done with business but because I want to do sociology I want to study about people like and like want to know I feel I already know I already I have a way to connect with people but like I want to study more so I can know I can help people so kind of like what my dad does are you still close to Joshua and Malia as close as you were when you were in the orphanage together Uh, I don't know I feel like maybe more because it's just we an orphanage we have more more kids like close to our age. We all can have favorite friends and then we we're friends but like now we just cause we live together, we just do all activity together. So I feel like we're more close now than we are in orphanage. Dana, one of the amazing things that your husband said was um just how when you adopt a child, oftentimes you adopt the entire family. And we so agree with that as well. Um, we always say that about our birth parents. It's we, when we adopted the child, we also adopted the birth parents into our family. And although at first that was really scary, we kind of shut that down. We wanted closed adoptions. You know, we didn't want, um, we really didn't want to bother ourselves with dealing with birth parents' issues. And of course, that's totally changed now. And, you know, we we talk to them and our our daughter's birth father will call us and and he always says, you know, you're like my real parents. You love me more than my parents do. I call you mm-hmm. when things go wrong or I call you when, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited about something. And that was such a great honor for us. It, we saw a picture that was much bigger than just going and and adopting a child. It was adopting the whole situation and we were in it and it wasn't easy and it was confusing to us and it was beyond what we thought. And a lot of people would say to us, walk away. Don't do it. You don't have to be in this. You don't have to fight. You know, you can just walk away. You have that ability when it's not your birth child to just walk away. And we chose to stay in it. And so we lost friends and and family along the way. And it has been a journey that sometimes is very lonely. Do you feel that as a family, have you noticed that even though your family's growing, possibly the relationships that you didn't think were going to change have? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing to navigate, um, what we know and believe is, uh, as Americans, we have experienced and know and, you know, evangelical, uh, Christian people, you know, we just have this tendency to believe things are very black and white and things are very right and wrong. And I think the adoption world as a whole is not that way. And I've learned so much um, about trying to navigate a country like a continent like Africa, the countries that we've we've worked in. Um, I just think that there is so much gray. And, and I guess ultimately what I believe is that we, uh, as humans, we want to put everything into a box. Uh, because it feels safer in this box where we can see everything. Um, but I, I don't think that is who Jesus is. I, I, that's not who I am learning that he is. He's, he's a God who can tell me in a situation to do something. And, and the person sitting right next to me might be in what looks like a very same situation and he might tell them something different. And, and so I guess, um, my answer to your question is yes, we have people who have walked away from us. We have people who have uh, publicly disagreed with us and, um, and that's okay. Ultimately that is between them and Jesus. And when I know, and I am focused on uh, my relationship with Jesus and the things that I know he's speaking to me, then I can handle their praise and I can handle their criticism and ultimately, all of that gets to come back to Jesus. Uh, the praise is all His, and the criticism, um, okay, Lord, show me what in this criticism it is that you want me to work on, and the rest of it, I just am giving it to you. Um, it's the only way that you can live a life that is on display and and still remain uh, not, getting, not getting our hearts hardened, not getting hurt, uh, just giving him the glory, you know, not getting egotistical, arrogant, like we have everything figured out. We don't, not even close. <laughs> um, so I guess ultimately I just have to give my friendships and my relationships and the opinions to him too. So we're almost out of time, but the last question I want to ask you is, uh, and either of you can answer it. It's about being an interracial family. You said something about being on display, and we too are an interracial family, and we know what that's like. Everywhere we go, um, people are either saying, they're saying something. They're either saying nice things, or they're questioning us, or they want to know, you know, where we got our kids, and how much were they, and all these crazy questions. And so it's been hard for us to navigate through answering them, like you said, graciously, and not having a hard heart and being overprotective, but also letting our kids feel different things as well. There's times where my son, who's very intuitive, and he's only six. We have two African-Americans, one Colombian. My son um, will look very confused. And then oftentimes he's like, we're awesome. Everybody's staring at us. We're the most popular family ever. So we have to balance those two things a lot. How do you guys feel that you navigate through being an interracial family? What do you think, Silas? 
I mean, I think we're awesome too. <laughs> but uh, most of my friends always like ask how we live and how our family is, and then they, they just say, "Oh my God, how can your family adapt me? Can I be on your family?" Most of my friends, even the African, I mean American, but. I don't even want to say about my other guy, people who got adapted, they always, they always have different problems when they hear about our family, they feel, I feel like someone about to cry, they wish that my family adapted, I'm like, just sad, but even my American friends, they say, I wish your family adapted me, can I, can I get adapted? And it's just kind of funny. So no matter what people say, you feel that you're special and you feel that your family is awesome. And that gives great credit to your parents. And I thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show, all your whole family on the show. If you want to see uh, a picture of their family, it's going to be on our Facebook. Don't forget to like our Facebook page. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. If you are just tuning into this family, they have a whole nother podcast that explains kind of the order and the adoption process that they went through. So you can find that on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us, you guys. I hope you'll come back on again. Thanks, April. You're listening to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.